This episode of Weed and Grub is brought to you by La Vida Verde. La Vida Verde is a health and wellness edibles brand made with organically sourced ingredients. You sound so sexy when you do an ad read. Ooh. Is that okay to say on here? Absolutely. Okay, just because like I'm already thinking about restore, I'm thinking about tinctures, I'm thinking about cookies, and I'm also like, whose voice is that? Ooh, well, I do love talking about products that I love, like La Vida Verde. The super cookies are the most delicious coconut cashew bites. They've got flavors like lemon pie, salted caramel. The brownie browns are so good mm, i'm trying to do what you're doing raspberry, raspberry. Mm. you know what i did the other day i took some of the restore tincture which is a one-to-one i opened the window in my bathroom and i took a super long shower and i pretended that i was in tuscany oh my gosh where you're just like looking over the mountains and the shower is like <laughs> steaming on you and you're you, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah right like, i'm in west hollywood you know it's not that magical uh but I, there were some hummingbirds zooming around and i just felt did they yeah. bring a dress inside with <laughs> on their beaks <laughs> it was lovely so shout out Levita verde for all of your wonderful tinctures and cookies and products and you can check them out uh on instagram at Levita verde 420 and go to levitaverde.com to see all of their wonderful offerings cannot recommend highly enough they're also excellent people Yo, good people doing great things. That's right. Come on. La Vida Verde. The best medicine starts with the food you eat. (laughs) Hello, and welcome to Weed and Grub. What up, Mary Jane? How's it going, Mike? It's going so good. Yeah. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. What's popping with you? I don't know, man. I'm just thinking about all of our friends in the gay community and how fucking crazy it is that Pride 2020, you know, all the real life events had to be canceled because of the coronavirus crisis. The events have been canceled, but you can't cancel Pride. No. Even though you couldn't go to all the events in real life, there have been so many cool virtual events with Pride 2020 and all of the LGBTQIA plus parades will happen in the future and we will be there. But for the time being, we just kind of have to hang out with friends this way yeah through the zooms through the zooms trixie mattel has been doing some really great stuff all week it's been a ball to see trixie performing all over ig yeah shout out trixie shout out laganja stranja who's doing amazing stuff on her ig all of our friends buck angel please follow buck and all the wonderful messaging that he's putting out there oh well he comes back in with our interview today that's right we hung out with a friend of bucks jamie london wolberg who runs train of his cheese so this is feels like a cool app to drop at the end of pride month absolutely i I don't really know what else to say because I really enjoyed our chat with him. So do you want to just dive in? Yeah, let's get to it. Okay. Well, check our show notes and descriptions for this one because there's a lot of places to donate. There's a lot of links to click to support Jamie and all of his endeavors. And without further ado, here is our interview with... Jamie London Wahlberg. What up, Mary Jane? How's it going, Mike? This is exciting as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how else to say it. It is fucking exciting. I'm so glad to have you as our guest. Hello, Jamie. Hi. I'm so excited to be here. Really humbling. Will you give us an intro? Just tell us who you are and what you do. Sure. I'm Jamie London Wahlberg. I'm originally a New Yorker, born and raised, moving 
to LA to be a part of cannabis and to really go on deeper into my healing journey. I'm a queer, dis- differently able trans man, and I'm the founder of Tranibus and Tranibus Chief. Where do we begin? I know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's begin. Actually, I want to jump into the plugs oh. and kind of work our way backwards. Great. Because you are working so hard and building such a community here in Los Angeles and beyond that I, I don't want to wait till the end to talk about what you're working on. So let's talk about Tranibus Chi. Um, so Tranibus Chi welcomes all bodies and all abilities to heal as a community using the combined practices of Tai Chi, Qigong, and cannabis. And this is actually through the Tranibus lifestyle, which is led by a trans non-binary, gender non-conforming, medical or recreational cannabis patient or consumer who exhibits empathy, compassion, passion throughout all aspects of their life in order to benefit both the LGBTQIA plus and cannabis communities. So you moved to California, you moved from New York specifically to be in a state where you had access to cannabis, uh, both medicinally and just adult use. Is that right? Largely. Um, So when I was in New York, I was there just in time for the medical legalization. And I was actually one of the first 300 cannabis patients that were legal with a card in New York State. And it became very clear that they had no idea what they were doing. And it wasn't helping me. And I was completely bedridden at the time. Wow. Can you do you mind saying a little bit more about that, about what you were experiencing? Sure. So I have now we understand, thankfully, coming out here that I have a multigenetic disease and autoimmune disease. So I have something called persistent postural perceptual dizziness and I have fibromyalgia. And within that, I have, I think, 11 technically diagnoses. Um, But when I was in New York and I was bedridden for the first time, I was bedridden for 10 and a half months. And basically, they had no idea it was wrong. They thought it was a mess. They thought it was some weird migraine disease. They went through many incorrect diagnoses until I got out here, Um, but nothing was helping me and everything was making me sicker. I couldn't see, I couldn't read, I couldn't even get to the bathroom. And so I went on my cannabis journey in a different way. I was a recreational consumer before that, but that was when my medical journey started with cannabis. I don't know that we've had a medical cannabis patient who's gone through the New York system on this podcast. I would love to hear a little bit more about your experience with that that particular state's program because the the crazy thing is in the US every state has, you know, I mean it differs so wildly from state to state. So, can you just tell us a little bit more about your experience in New York? Sure. Um, So I remember very clearly the day that it went legalized because my mom threw a New York Times article on my bed and I was in tears because at that point I was truthfully incredibly suicidal um, and I was I was a mess. I, I didn't understand because I'm a very mission and purpose driven person and I care very deeply about people. And I was like, well, I can't help anybody if I'm like this. So I immediately went through the very annoying and lengthy process at the time. I don't know how quick it is there now, but at the time it was slow as molasses. You had to Mm. basically go online and you had to fill out all these forms. Then you had to get approval. Then you had to go to the doctor's office and meet with a doctor you've never met before who knows absolutely nothing about your medical history and convince this person to tell you that you fit into like five categories that were open at the time because they weren't allowing all illnesses, only a few. And um, neuropathy was what I fit under. He was like, we're just gonna do this. We kind of had 
and understanding. And uh, I went forward from there to waiting several weeks. I had to get, you know, send in a picture and then all of these different, you know, documents to prove that I am who I am and this is what's going on and all these doctor's letters. And I finally get the card. And then you can go to the dispensary and you have to make an appointment, a lot of them. Um, and then you had to wait. And when I got into the dispensary was really when it went downhill, in my opinion. Um, Just because of what was available to you as a patient? All of the above. I mean, so I went, I went in there. I will never forget the first time I was in the waiting room. Stark walls, you know, nothing like just white, felt very hospital. And um, it really hit me. Like, I di- it didn't hit me fully until I got home, but I was really upset not only to realize how sick I was at that time that I was in that situation, but that this was happening and that it didn't feel compassionate at all about what was going on. And by the time you go to the person, they have literally like four jars and it's like, yeah, this is this color and this is this color and this is this color. And like, you can have a vape or you can have a pill. And that was it. They didn't have testing. You didn't know what was in them. There was no talk about terpenes. They knew nothing. They knew nothing. Mm-hmm. So do you remember like the first day when you rolled into a Los Angeles uh, dispensary or, or shop of any kind? Like what, what was that experience like having had the, the sterile experience in New York? I literally cried. Um, oh. I remember it very clearly. Uh, but I remember very clearly that the bud tender asked me, can you tell me your life story? Like, what brought you here? What is it that you really need? And literally no one had ever asked me that before in my life. And as someone who felt regularly erased, other than having white privilege, which I didn't understand to that level at that time, um, but being queer and trans and differently able, I didn't get heard or asked. And my doctors, it was like a 15-minute doctor's visit where it didn't even feel compassionate. So to get asked that question, I literally started crying. And she was like, no, 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 it's okay. Like, what's happening? And I was like, I'm sorry, no one's ever asked me that before. And I'm just, I feel like so much is possible for me now. I feel like I just got my life back. And I know that I'm at the beginning of this journey. But I wanted to literally kill myself when I was living in New York. And this just showed me that things are possible. And I see people smiling And I mean, she took maybe at least 20 minutes to like really tell me about the products and listen to my entire medical history, the medicines I was on, what was working, what wasn't working. And it started from there. And, you know, was that the day that everything in terms of like my health changed? Not physically, but emotionally. Yeah. Big game changer. Can you say some more about the two practices about Tai Chi and Qigong and what exactly they are and how you incorporate them, how you sort of marry those two? They are both martial arts. And really the way that I like to describe them is that Tai Chi is more of the choreographed dance. You really have to do the forms in order. It's very fluid. With Qigong, it's very focused on the breathing, the meditative aspect, and it's all really moving meditation and you're always moving. But with Qigong, to me, it feels almost more spiritual. And when I bring them together, it really, to me, marries the aspect of 
meditating and breathing, which also helps a lot with digestion. And I have a really rare stomach disease. So that's really important to me. And I think a lot of people struggle with that. Um, and bringing it in with Tai Chi, it just, it felt really natural to me. And I said, well, there's clearly a reason why this is all being taught together. And through learning about Tai Chi and Qigong, which both started about 8,000 years ago in China on this Emperor Yang, which is why there's Yang short form, which is the Yang method is what I learned. There's a lot of different styles of Tai Chi and Qigong, but that's what I'm most familiar with. Um, all was really along the time frame of cannabis over there. And so to mm. me, I believe not only is it authentic to my story, but even though Tai Chi and Qigong started with the military, I believe that cannabis was always a part of the picture. Wow. What does someone experience when they come to one of your workshops? We've been lucky to be a part of them. Uh, and it's just so cool to watch you like invite people into the community and teach them. So can you just give our listeners sort of a look at what that's like? So I will say that even though I say every class is different because I really don't do some scripted rehearsed thing. So the affirmations I speak, what forms we're going to do, some of that is meditated on. But ultimately, other than the intention, everything is off the books and done in the moment. So every class, you know, you're going to get it, it's tailored to you. So you being whoever attends, whether it's virtual or whether it's in person, especially if you choose to do something with me privately. Um, but the structure is always the same. So I think that that brings people into a lot of comfort and it's really been trial and error to figure out what works. So mm -hmm. I start with a little intro about who I am and why I started this because a lot of people are like, what is this guy doing teaching Tai Chi and Qigong? Like, who is he? Um, you know, and, and so then I go into the really more active part of class. So I start with affirmations and breath work. So that's usually anywhere between two to five minutes where I'm speaking affirmations. It's really a guided meditation. And together we speak these affirmations. So affirmations are positive intentions that you're saying with truth as if they have happened, that you are feeding into your body, mind, and soul through mm -hmm. the breathing. So it's people find it really calming. The reason I start with that is to get people really into a mindset to go into practice because we all have lives and right now we're in a pandemic and a revolution. Like any <laughs> anybody who comes into the class is usually like stressed and anxious and angry and all of these different things which are so valid. And my goal is to help them through their healing journey within that class. So by the end of this class, they're hopefully feeling in some way better than once they did. So after mm -hmm. that, we move into the first round of medicating. There's two rounds of medicating. So we do one after the affirmations and the second one is at the very end. The first one, we talk a little bit about microdosing because a lot of people don't know about that benefit. And that's super mm -hmm. important when you're working, especially being active because martial arts, these are defensive martial arts. They're not something aggressive. I'm not teaching you with swords or anything like that, but you want to still be mindful that you're not going to be dizzy and, and fall over if you choose to stand or something like that. Um, and we'll talk about the three things I want you to remember, the three things I want you to keep in mind. And then we roll into the active part of class. And the active part of class is a Qigong warm-up, followed by Qigong, followed by Tai Chi warm-up, followed by Tai Chi. It will always be that way. And then there is the final round of medicating where I love to give community time. 
I love to have people share with me their experiences. I love to have people ask me anything they want about anything because a lot of people don't have the opportunity to, you know, have that opportunity to speak that openly with someone who's marginalized in that way and about things that are very vulnerable. And what people get out of the classes has blown me away. I never would have thought some of the things like people are working through serious trauma through my classes. I had someone who was crying throughout the class and by the end of the class they came up to me and they said that they had no idea they were holding all of this physical trauma from this trauma they experienced in their childhood in their body and they just released it for the first time. I mean, what? Like, I can't believe that I was a part of helping them to do that. Um, I have other people who have said, Jamie, yesterday I woke up at 6 a.m. and I felt energized and excited and positive and ready to take on the world. I have never met that goal. I've always wanted to be a morning person. Thank you so much. Like, it's amazing. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no. For real. Thank yeah. you. This is a service that it sounds like people don't know that they need. And if they experience it and they open themselves up to it, um, you realize... Uh, you realize so much more about yourself than you ever expected. And that's a pretty big gift you can give anybody, including yourself. Yeah, thank you. It's it's my privilege. It's really an honor to have found this as my purpose in life. You've been directing people to a couple of different organizations to support in this time, specifically for black trans um, lives. Can you share some of those resources with us? Sure. Um, so the first is the Black Visions Collective. I was drawn to them immediately because they specifically say on their website that they believe all Black Lives Matter. And um, while this, this should be kind of what I feel to be an obvious thought that all Black Lives Matter, um, it's not what's being shown everywhere. There's, there's, for example, there's been, I believe, four to our knowledge on record, trans and non-binary people murdered from the black community during the last few weeks. And like, where are those stories on the news? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. they're, they're not being talked about. Um, and uh, especially with the rollback from Trump, I mean, it's, it's very clear that there's so much work to be done. Uh, and they're doing it. They're doing bailouts. Uh, I believe that they are based in Minnesota um, and they are, I'm sure, branching out, but they're amazing. Um, Project Q and Trans Wellness Center are, are local to us in Los Angeles. So Project Q mm -hmm. is run by a non-binary um, uh, person of color. And I believe their initial start was with haircuts for those who are experiencing homelessness. And they really expanded into this community center. And I know that they are really in need of resources right now to make sure that they can get back to providing the services that they need. Um, but that's certainly a space where trans non-binary people can feel comfortable. And then the Trans Wellness Center, I've been supporting now for probably over a year, um, an incredible organization. They see at least 400 clients a month, predominantly uh, trans women of color, they are part of basically, a, I think, five other organizations that have kind of a sector within their parent organization being the LGBT Center here. Um, and they do everything from healthcare to emergency services to housing 
So I really focus on helping and supporting these three organizations as much as possible because they're focusing on the marginalized groups within even the overarching marginalized group that we care about being the black community. I would love to talk about Buck Angel a little bit because he is somebody I met up two years ago here Mm -hmm. through the podcast. Buck is my home. He is Mm -hmm. someone who has done more for me than I could possibly ever have imagined. And he's done absolutely everything he can for the trans community overall. I wouldn't be able to be who I am in any capacity without Buck Angel. And on a, you know, on a personal level, he has been so inspiring to me. He has been a soundboard. He has been a source of education. And most importantly, he's been a huge source of love for me. Um, and he's someone who has helped actually bring my family closer together. Everyone in my family reacted super differently to my transition. And I literally wouldn't have relationships with my parents or other people in my family without his intervening, um, really, uh, without their really understanding to the level that he intervened. But um, he directly was responsible. And he was absolutely the person who pushed me professionally to be the best that I can. And he saw, I think, a lot in me that I only now am starting to even see a little bit um you know i think he has he is the absolute example of someone who has triumphed over so much and has created a brand and started something new that was totally against what everyone else believed and made it happen because he cared so deeply and that's unbelievably inspiring um, we met, I think it was now a little over three years ago at Trans Pride. I was tabling for the Trevor Project and he was tabling for Pride Wellness. And the person who was volunteering with me was just like kind of watching me like go through my whole mental freak out of like, holy shit, Buck Angel is like right there. <laughs> and, <Yes. laughs> you know, and, um, and, and he was like, just go over and say hi to him. And I was like okay, like, I can't, I can't, like, have a whole stereotypical freak out right now. So I went up to Buck, and I just, I shook his hand. I was like, hey, look, I'm a big fan, but really, I want to know what you're doing here, because I just feel really gravitated to this table. I see Pride Wellness, and I want to know. And so he started telling me what Pride Wellness was, and he said, look, we're the first trans-owned and run canvas company, and you know, we're working towards helping the community understand how cannabis can be a me- medicinal benefit for them. And I was like, holy crap, like, what can I do to help you? And that's when we bonded. In his words, that's the moment we bonded because he is so used to people asking, what can you do for me? And I said, what can I do for you for the bigger cause? Mm. Um, and so he took me on, both him and Leon Mostavoy, they took me on as as um, I guess a contract worker to start initially with kind of brand ambassading and you know going to events with them and doing reviews and talking about the product. I've loved every minute of it. I've learned so much from the two of them. And uh, as Pride Wellness grows, I look forward to being more involved. But Buck will always be my trampa. We were texting the other day. He's a huge piece of my life personally and professionally and I'm so unbelievably grateful. Um, The other thing I wanted to ask you about was when we spoke with Buck, um, he was talking about how 
through his transition, he didn't realize until his transition that he was stepping into male, white male privilege and how it, it, it just changed everybody's perception of not only him, but his perception of how the world works and sees him. And I had never heard or thought of that before. It's something that was so brand new to me that it really blew me away. Has LA and your own perception of how the world is and what the world looks like for you been changed? 100%. Um, I, I actually, part of why I would really love for there to be more love and acceptance uh, surrounding trans people in the world is because I think that trans people are the ones who have this perspective, at least those of us who transition in adult life. So I started transitioning when I was like 24 to 25. And um, when I got to LA, I actually wasn't even passing um, as the gender that I would like to be perceived as, which is male. Um, And so ultimately, yeah, it was a big wake up call for me to really have this experience of being raised in girlhood and being raised in womanhood and understanding um, white privilege as a woman, but not at all seeing the other side of the coin. And I think what I've gotten through testosterone especially is realizing how much a lot of our actions and our emotions and our way of going about things are not only societal, but are also hormonal. And there's a lot of overlap and it's not being talked about. Um, Hmm. And I think that, yeah, since I've started to, you know, I I don't get misgendered anymore, really. So ultimately, people are seeing me as a white man. And I think that what happens is there is an immediate assumption about me because they don't know my past until I say I'm trans. Um, And I think that the fact that I feel comfortable saying that I'm trans is in itself a privilege because... Um, Not only does that come from my white privilege of having that element of a safety net, but because I feel safe to say that I'm trans, it then, for lack of a better phrase, flips the script on people. People say, oh, wait a minute, there's more to this guy. Maybe he does have more of an understanding because I can't go and, and really, I don't feel like I can go and say a lot of things that I would have said or done um, when I was raised in girlhood and womanhood that I, you know, than the way that things are now. Like, for example, something small. Like, I love kids. And when I was raised in girlhood and womanhood, it would be totally considered appropriate for me to, like, go up to a parent and be like, oh, my goodness, your child's so cute. Like, how old are they? Now, super not okay. And that was something mm-hmm. I had to learn. There was not a book that taught me that. Like, even though I have a minor in gender studies, like, that mm-hmm. was not taught to me in a book. Um, and, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack, and there's a lot to unpack for trans people. There needs to be a lot of learning on really all sides, and I think it comes from listening to our experiences. Uh, my last question is, uh, let's let's talk about big dreams. Mm-hmm. Why not? I mean, you know, there's nothing more fun than dreaming big and then taking actionable steps towards seeing it come true. So what is that big dream? The big dream is that I can help anybody who desires healing on any level, on a global scale. Um, When I say that I'm a healer, I'm not someone who is outrightly healing someone and taking that away from them. I'm here to empower them in their healing journey and be simply 
a piece of their large puzzle. Because what I've learned through my healing journey so far is that there is no one thing. I know that when one is desperate and they're looking to heal because they're in that much pain, it's really easy to strive and desire one thing does not exist. I really don't believe it exists. And so my absolute desire is to take Tranibus Chi and Tranibus Global and really bring that education, bring that opportunity to absolutely everyone. And my hope is by doing that, we're creating a community that at large will impact society to be that much more loving and open. Amazing. Two things on that. One is you are going to see the world Mm -hmm. and change it. (laughs) And two, I remember sitting next to you with my back turned trimming at Ophelia's and feeling your energy before turning around. There is a feeling. It is a warm, almost indescribable feeling when like in your space if and it is uh yeah you got it i don't know how else to say it you really got it wow (laughs) i mean that's (laughs) that's wonderful i mean i i feel your your love and your warmth so strongly and um that's that's the highest of compliments that i could receive um, I really. I I was at that event as well, and I remember meeting you there, turning around, as Mike says, and also seeing you holding a I don't know foot long joint maybe, <laughs> <laughs> and you just passed it to me with a big smile, and you were like, "Hi." <laughs> like, we, need to, we all need to be friends. <laughs> and now we I are. remember that. I remember uh-huh. that the vacation joint is what that was called. I think. Yeah, that's yes, right. It was a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really was. That was, hands down, that day was one of the greatest days of my life. The greatest days of my life. And it brought me closer to so many people that I truly value, like Rachel, who led that that ceremony. And um, yeah, I, I when I'm upset in quarantine, that is one of my go-to things to meditate on and to try to bring myself back to that day um i've i've very few times in my life if i felt that loved and that much like i belonged and i felt like everyone felt that that was just such a special day it was a special magical day i'm so glad we were all there yeah let's do some plugs from the top to the bottom yeah where can everybody find you uh, everywhere, pretty much. <laughs> I'm, uh, I try to make sure I'm on all the platforms. So when it comes to Tranibus, you can find me at underscore Tranibus. That's with two N's um, on Instagram, on, on Twitter, on Facebook, all the places. Um, or you can find me at Tranibus. Um, on TikTok and places like that, you can find me at Tranibus Lifestyle. I just started a Twitch last night. So I haven't streamed yet, but we'll see what happens. Um, and then for Tranibus Chi, it's all at Tranibus Chi um, across the board, all those platforms. My website has both Tranibus and Tranibus Chi stuff right now. The Tranibus site will come soon. But for now, it's www.tranibuschi.com. And you can all reach me by email at either tranibus.connect at gmail.com or tranibuschi at gmail.com. I love to hear from people. I want to help and be a, a service and a platform. If you would like to follow us on Instagram, we are at Weedon Grub. Our email is wg at whedongrub.com. Uh, hit the show notes for all the info that we've been talking about in this episode, and thank you all for listening. Thank you all so much. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>